so we continue uh, our series in Malachi. We're looking today at the priesthood of all believers uh, from Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them, because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Thank God that there are good examples of leaders, uh, of, of, and you can read uh, the biographies of them. One of my favorite men of integrity, or favorite leader, is Billy Graham, a man of, of deep integrity, and a man who, if you read his uh, biographies, read the biographies that have been written, um, was very careful to ensure that he had uh, accountability. He had a group around him who would hold him to account, ask him difficult questions about his marriage and family life. Uh, he made the a pol personal policy of never traveling alone in a car with, with a woman who wasn't his wife or daughter. He had extremely high standards for himself, which he kept throughout his ministry. And so when you read biography of leaders like that, you can be rightly inspired and guided not just as a leader, but as a Christian. These are the standards of holiness that God calls all of us to, as leaders especially, but as believers in the priesthood of all believers, we are all called to live holy lives, are we not? That set, live by a different standard from the world in which we live. I'm not gonna go into detail, because you can read the story online yourself. Uh, it's, been on, it's been in the newspapers too. But sadly, alongside uh, people like Billy Graham, as good examples, there are also those who have fallen from grace and fallen very badly. Um, Ravi Zakirias had uh, a worldwide global ministry as, as, a, as an evangelist. Um, he wrote many, many books well-respected as a writer and as a teacher and a global evangelist. Just a year ago or so, um, the ministry that he runs was disbanded because it was found that he had been uh, committing uh, spiritual abuses and sexual abuses over a four-year period up to 2017. And sadly, uh, I could go into many, many other uh, examples that have been in the news, uh, plastered all over newspapers, websites, and everything else. But that's not the focus this morning. The focus is on 
What can we learn from Jesus Christ, the perfect priest and leader? And what can we learn from people like Billy Graham and the original priests of Levi, the tribe of Levi, who did teach the Israelites well, at least in the beginning? You see, integrity in Christian leadership, and for all of us as Christians, is so important. Paul calls the church to imitate him as he imitates Christ. So Paul says to Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Jesus, right? Leaders are supposed to be um, those who through word and action demonstrate the holiness of following Jesus. We're supposed to model godly behavior in word and actions. Sadly, in Malachi's time, Israel's spiritual leaders, the priests, were not leading with integrity. They were abusing the people. Um, the priests were taken from the tribe of Levi. So you can see that in the book of Leviticus or Numbers um, in the Old Testament. Um, priests were set apart from the tribe of Levi to administer worship and sacrifices and to teach God's law. They prayed to God and offered sacrifices for the sins of the people. And they spoke blessing over the people. And the deal was that if the leaders and the people kept their side of the covenant, if they obeyed God's laws, namely the Ten Commandments, then the, all the people of Israel would enjoy prosperity, peace, their crops and harvests would be plentiful, they would, enjoy, they, they would have many offspring, they would enjoy peace in the land, they would enjoy freedom from disease and the curses of drought and famine and economic failure. The fact when you read through Malachi, it's clear that those things weren't being enjoyed. There was drought, there was famine, there were blemished sacrifices being offered rather than perfect sacrifices being offered. There was crop failure, famine and drought and threat of enemies like the Edomites. The fact that all of that was happening shows that the blessings have already been turned to curses by God. In other words, the priests and the people are not keeping God's law. And the result of that is that the land is not enjoying the prosperity and peace and blessing that it should be. Quite the opposite. It has echoes of our times, doesn't it? We live in a secular nation that has thrown out biblical teaching largely and God's standards for sexual ethics. You know, and has secularism created a peaceful, joy-filled society? Am I missing something? Are things getting better globally because we are rejecting God's laws? Self-evidently, no. This is what happens when we don't obey the boundaries and the good laws that God has set. We create for ourselves the breakdown, the pain, the curse of a fallen world. Um, what was going wrong? Well, divorce and remarriage to pagan women by the men of Israel was rife. They were literally divorcing their uh, wives in Israel to go and marry pagan women. That's what they were doing. And the priests were doing the marriages. The poor were not being treated with justice. 
The priests were failing to bring their best sacrifices. There were any old sacrifice will do. There was a rampant moral failure in the nation. And God rebuked the priests for their failures. This is a serious and solemn warning to the leaders of the churches of our nation not to forsake God's laws. Because if we forsake God's laws, we will bring curses upon ourselves and the people that we lead and upon the land. That's what God is saying. Very simple. I want to make several points uh, about lead leaders today and about the priesthood of all believers, which is all of us together, right? Yeah. We're not all called to be um, leaders. In fact, very few are called to be leaders, but we are all called to be priests of the new covenant. In other words, those who mediate in word and action God's blessing and holiness to the nation. That's your role. You are to live by a different set of standards than the world. Right? Four points. First, a warning about leadership failure. Um, and now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen and if you do not resolve to honor my name, I will send a curse on you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've already cursed them because you've not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung or the offal from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it. It's pretty graphic, isn't it? It's horrible, isn't it? You see, um, the priests would collect up the offal, the waste, before they offered the sacrifices and that would be removed and uh, disposed of outside the city boundaries. But God is saying to the priests, I'm going to metaphorically smear the offal on your faces. It's a graphic way of saying to them, you are actually defiled as priests. You might think you're holy and clean and important and powerful. I see you as defiled, says the Lord. Heaven help leaders who think they're living according to God's standards and God is calling them defiled because they're failing to keep his laws. This is really an, this is really uncomfortable passage to preach because the, the finger comes back onto me as a, as a preacher and a teacher. All right? I don't escape God's word here, do I? Um, in fact, this is what James chapter 3 says. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Leaders and teachers, of which I am one, will be judged more strictly. Now, at one level, that's quite an awesome responsibility. But at another, I find it really inspiring. <clears throat> Shall I tell you why? Because when through the week I prepare a sermon, do you know who my boss is? It's Jesus. Wouldn't you want to do your best for the King of Kings, the creator of the universe? Don't you want your best sermon, your best preparation for the King of Kings? So for me, it's the greatest inspiration in the world. 
I'm going to have to stand before Jesus. He's not saying, Martin, you made an error in your Greek interpretation on the day of judgment. I'm holding you accountable that you didn't preach 100% perfect sermons. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. If I continue to preach the word faithfully, so pray that I would. Pray that all those who are called to preach would do so with courage and faithfulness and not duck the difficult issues. The world, the nation needs preachers who will hold the line on sexuality and divorce and so on in this culture. Right? Yes. Not, we're not here to be popular. We're here to preach the word. The horrible wreckage from the failure of Christian leaders is all around. It's like awful being smeared on people's faces. The fallout from Ravi Zakiris' ministry is horrendous. Women have been abused. The name of Jesus has been abused. And every time a leader falls sexually or through spiritual abuse, the name of Jesus is abused and despised. So what exactly were the priests doing wrong? Malachi 2 verses 8 and 9 tells us. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. What does that mean? It means that the priests were treating the rich differently to the poor. All right? I'm not going to name the church, but I, sadly, I was reading in Evangelicals Now, which is an evangelical newspaper of a church in London, whose name shall remain nameless, who were spiritually abusing the congregation. And this is how they were doing it. Students whose parents had huge trust funds and who were giving large amounts of money to the church were being favoured and fast-tracked into leadership positions in the church. That is spiritual abuse and partiality. The poor in the congregation were being overlooked. Even though they had leadership ability and intelligence and wisdom and a lot to bring, they were simply not being considered for leadership because they didn't have the money. They weren't tithing huge amounts of money. There's a solemn warning there, isn't it, about partiality? And in Malachi's day, the poor were being treated differently to the rich. So likely what was happening was that the uh, rich people were getting, were, were, were divorcing their wives in order to marry pagan women. And the priests were kind of overlooking the reality of that and were allowing them to do it and were actually taking the services. Whereas the poorer folk, the people without power, were being refused the option of divorce and remarriage to pagan women. That's, that's partiality. That's a different standard for the rich compared to the poor. And that's what was going on. Um, second, 
the integrity of the Christian leader as teacher and example. Um, we're to learn how to lead with integrity from these verses. To teach God's word to God's people. This is what it said. This is speaking about Levi. Um, the tribe of Levi had priests who were called to instruct the people. And back in the day, when the, first, when the covenant was given to Moses on Mount Sinai, the priests were doing it well. They were doing this well in the tribe of Levi. They were instructing the people. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth. In other words, the priests back in the time of Moses walk the walk mainly and talk the talk now you might say well what about aaron who made a golden calf yeah sin they also sinned but it wasn't as regular and as widespread and as set in as it was in the day of malachi they were still repenting of their sin back then the priests but now it's got so set set in that the priests are bringing curses upon the people rather than blessings. It's just become a, a culture of abuse. And integrity in teaching and lifestyle of church leaders is so crucial, isn't it? We have to walk the walk and talk the talk. All right? It's no good me teaching something up here and then living in a completely different way because that's just hypocrisy. Third, all Christians, all of us, are called to live with integrity in the priesthood of all believers. Um, we are all priests now. I'm going to offend some of my uh, people who've had an Anglican background here. I'm going to cause offence because we are all priests in the new covenant. Now, a priest in the old covenant used to mediate God's blessings to the people, used to pray and speak words of blessing over the people. You might say, well, don't we have leaders today? Yes, you do. They're called elders and pastors and deacons, but especially um, pastors and teachers. That's your leaders today, right? Um, Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament priesthood. Um, he was the perfect high priest who offered the once and for all sacrifice that brought the need for sacrifices to an end. His, his sacrifice was once and for all. You don't need to come to church having offered a sacrifice anymore for your sin. It's good news. Jesus already done that for you, perfectly once and for all. And so Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So you're, you're a priest. Did you know that? Part of the priesthood of all believers. You are called to mediate God's blessings to your work colleagues, friends, neighbors, family members. You are called to speak blessing over others in the church and in the community. You are called to pray for the church and for others in the community as a priest. Did you know that? That's who you are. You're a priest. Don't need a collar, don't need a theology degree, you are a priest. I'm a teaching leader or a teaching elder or a pastor, don't mind what you call me. I'm not a priest in that sense. 
Um, so how do you bless others as priests of uh, the new covenant, as the priesthood of all believers? Well, you speak blessing over people. You build them up. You encourage them. You teach them in the word, right? You pray for them. And when they need it, you come alongside and you say to people, come on, time to sort yourself out. Time to get right with the Lord, in love, of course, right? Gently, with humility, but you do it because you love them and God loves them, right? We bless, we encourage, we build up. We don't want to be people who curse people with slander, with negativity, with criticism, do we? We're not here to curse one another, to go around criticizing one another and being negative and slanderous about one another. That's not what we've been called to. We've been called to be a blessing, to build one another up. And we bless people by our actions, by those simple acts of loving kindness, the listening ear for those who need it, the lift for someone, the hospitality that we offer, a simple meal when somebody needs it, a card through the door with loving and kind words when someone needs it, the sharing of a scripture text on social media or on a text when someone needs that guidance or blessing or encouragement. There are so many ways you can bless others through acts of simple kindness, aren't there? As priests in the priesthood of all believers. We're called to demonstrate to one another and to the world that is looking on at us as Christians, isn't it? Have you noticed? <laughs> and we're called to bless them with the presence of Jesus, with his goodness, his love, his compassion, his kindness, his gentleness. And we're called to take a stand on difficult issues, to stand up for truth, because we have a God who is about grace and truth. Jesus said the hard word when he needed to, in love, of course, but he told the woman caught in adultery, stop sinning, because he loved her and didn't want her to miss out on God's best for her. We're so worried, aren't we, about causing offence today that we've stopped being full of grace and truth. We want to say we're full of grace, but we forget that love is about grace and truth. We have to live in the priesthood of all believers with a different moral set of standards than the world. I was reading an article by uh, a secularist recently in The Guardian, a guy called Douglas Murray, who was saying, church, I don't believe what you believe, but please don't live like us in the world. Please don't try and copy what we're doing. We want you to be different. We want you to show us a different way. This is a secularist. And it's almost as if God is speaking through these people as prophets to the church and saying, don't give up on God's holy standards. Because even the world doesn't want you to do that. God has a sense of humor. And God will speak his truth and prophetic word, even through secular people, as well as the church. We're, we're called, you know, to live such good lives among the pagans, among our work colleagues, neighbors, 
families that they may see our good deeds and give glory to who? God. That's your purpose on this planet, right? To point people to Jesus through your words and actions, living a holy life that's different from the world in which you are part. The world wants to squeeze you and me into its own, into its own mold. We're called to live holy lives. Jesus upset the left and the right in his day. Jesus would have upset the right-wing politicians and right-wing people today, and he would have upset the woke left-wing as well. He upset both because he was full of grace and truth, and God's truth transcends political stances, whether on the right or the left. Fourth, Jesus is the perfect priest who mediates God's power to us through the Holy Spirit. It's not an easy thing to live holy lives in a world that wants to squeeze you into its mold. Have you noticed? It's not easy being a Christian today. We've got social media voices telling us what's right and wrong in society. We have a new orthodoxy in our culture, don't you? Don't we? This is how you should live. This is the views that you should have. Coming from the right and the left, by the way, both sides, Folks, I'm here to say we don't have to listen and obey orthodoxy, whether it's coming from the right or the left. We follow Jesus, right? Sometimes his views will line up with the left, sometimes with the right. It doesn't matter. We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus. We're not into politics. We're into Jesus. Jesus is the perfect high priest who gives us his Holy Spirit, who enables us to live holy lives. That's good news, isn't it? We, we can't do this in our own strength, but he has given us his Holy Spirit, who empowers us to live holy lives. Listen to Hebrews 8.10. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God gives us his spirit to give us the power to live Jesus-centered lives. Not to be squeezed into the world's mold, as J.B. Phillips puts it, but to live Jesus-centered lives. That's what we want, isn't it? Some of us... Um, have got too half-hearted, too apathetic, too laissez-faire, too lackadaisical in our following of Jesus, too laid back, too easygoing, too swayed by the world's views, left, right, or whatever. Jesus wants you to follow his word, not social media, on the left or the right, not people's opinions, not comfortable or popular stuff in the media. He wants you to follow him. And that will put you into conflict with others. People won't agree with you on everything. They never agreed with the early church. They're not going to agree with us. Are we prepared as a people to stand up for Jesus in our time? Are we prepared to live holy lives of integrity as priests of the new covenant? 
Are we? Let's pray. Jesus, we want to say that we're sorry that we have not always been full of fervor. We've been half-hearted. We've been complacent. We've been apathetic in our commitment. Jesus, we've been swayed by views on all fronts. We've too easily failed to be full of grace and truth. We've looked for the comfortable option rather than the Jesus-centered one. Lord, we repent of our partial following of Jesus. Lord, have mercy on us. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd so fill us afresh with grace and truth again, that we would be a royal priesthood, a holy nation again, a people belonging to God who declare his praises in word and in action, who live a different standard of morality centered on Jesus from the world in which we live. Forgive us, Lord, where we've allowed the world to squeeze us into its own mold. Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh? Would you set our hearts on fire again to love and follow and serve Jesus, however difficult that is, however unpopular it becomes? Help us to bring him glory and to make that our purpose. Come, Holy Spirit, set our hearts on fire again with love and devotion and passion for Jesus. Amen. Amen.